You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. Really, the the key differentiating factor in achieving success is the decisions that you make along the way. Not a not a, not the quality of the product that your company sells. Not you know how smart you are with uh, this particular program or or any one investment that you made. It's it's the decision making because the decision making in order to excel at that product, that investment, that this program, whatever it is, um, is more than simply one decision. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a series, an ongoing, ongoing series of decision after decision to make that successful. That's right. Yeah. I always tell people it's, you know, there's no one big thing that made Warren Buffett extremely successful or Jeff Bezos at Amazon. It's a pattern of things that they've done right over their time. And of course, you're going to get some percentage of those wrong. You know, you may get 25% of your decisions wrong. But, um, you know, in my view, and I'm sure your view, we, try not to look at the the outcome as much as the quality of the decision. So you might have a bad decision uh, outcome, but if you went through all the right process, if you got collaboration, if you did your research, if you did your analyses, then that quality is much more important than the outcome. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, we've made that comment to so many people over the years. When we look at uh, decision-making, you you judge the value of the decision, the quality of the decision-making, on that process, not in the outcome, because you can't control that outcome. <laughs> There's no real optimal way, or prescriptive way of deciding something fast or slow, but you need to be adaptive to the environment. And, and I think as long as you, like we talked about, if you just focus on the quality of the decision, even if you made it super fast, if you went through your head, all the key elements. What were my choices? What are the costs and benefits? You know, am I considering all of the different aspects? What, am, what are the consequences of doing or not doing? And if I could quickly run through that in 30 seconds and come up with a decision, that's probably better than waiting 14 days to do the same thing and yeah. come to the same result. Right about that. When, when we look at people who get analysis paralysis, you know, they're looking at talk about investing they get hung up on well which mutual fund should i buy you know and, and they they're analyzing a lot of different ones forgetting that the most important decision they made was i'm going to start investing i'm going to do it in a fund and it's going to be a growth stock fund after that yeah. uh the decision becomes less impactful and and so the amount of time you're spending on that part of the decision-making process is not providing the same utility that the early part of that decision did, which was to start, started, use it, use this vehicle and use this type of vehicle, uh, which one is, is not, uh, as, uh, <laughs> as valuable to the process. I'm not saying it's not valuable. I'm saying it's not as valuable. Exactly. But, no, you know, I, I, I like the, I like the thing that you said when, you were talking about looking what, what what your return is and what you're seeking from the decision. And I think that so many times 
we assume that we know the answer to that. I was having, uh, Sanger, you remember this. I was having, we were having a conversation with the mayor of a, mm. of a large city, uh, Mayor of Fort Worth. And we were talking about putting in a, a rapid trail ramp uh, system. And she mentioned something yeah. about when evaluating this, we want to look at the return. And so I went to my financial advisor brain and said, oh, she must mean the amount of tax revenue, the amount of uh, return on a, in a monetary framework. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her and, and her answer was not that at all. It was looking at community involvement and connectivity uh, of the rails to people's lives. And I was like, that is so interesting when we start looking at things that there are different returns that we might be wanting. Or, or might be useful. So it's super interesting that you, you mentioned that. And I think that. that's another yeah. way of, of noting the point that you were making, James, which is that we all have different values. And so you were, you were putting in that moment, Sean, and I was right there with you sitting in the room with her going, oh yeah, how are we making money as a city on this, <laughs> on this train system or whatever? But that was, we were placing our own values on a decision that someone else was making. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's placing a different set of values on it probably for the mayor of Fort Worth, a better set of values and yeah. why she's mayor and we're not. Mm -hmm. But, but that happens so often with so many decisions where we, we're, maybe we feel the judgment of other people putting values that are not our own. Maybe we we're putting our values into a decision and we don't even know that we're putting our values into it. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that, that's a great example because the, you know, we're all built so differently and, you know, your minds, my minds might go to finances, but other people are going to, you know, what's the risk? What are the, what are the potential upsides? What is the political gains? You know, especially these politicians who have to weigh all these things. What do my constituencies think? And if we could lay out our values and we could all understand them, like if I came to you and I said, well, I'm really focused on numbers and I want to talk about growth. And you're saying, I really want to talk about the emotional connectivity between our people, our groups. Um, we're kind of come from at a totally different angle. And if we could come out and, and say that, and if we could, we could somehow negotiate that in the decision-making process, we'd all be really a lot better off because we know where we're coming from, but we don't. And said, we sit in rooms and we do these kinds of things and we think people care. And I was talking to one client, and I was explaining to her, you know, all of the things that I look for in, in mutual funds. And, and, you know, I'm much more conservative type person. I just want long-term growth, um, not focused on income right now. And they were really worried much more on the, what kind of investments and are they green? And, you know, and we have that whole thing in investing right now where people want to do sustainability and it really there and I was able to get it out of her, but basically nothing that was tech um, growth oriented, you know, they, they weren't interested in any of those. They wanted people oriented investments, regardless of return. And, you know, just understanding there's so many different kinds of people out there is really useful because we're not all the same and we're not all looking for the same kinds of things. So yeah, values yeah. and preferences are a big part of that. What do you think is the most difficult decision that people have to make? The most difficult in their life? Yeah. Yeah. From, from the perspective of someone who understands the science behind decision making. So the probably the most difficult 
decision a person has to make is when it when the outcome is going to negatively extremely negatively and i'll say that because most of the behavioral finance and behavioral bias uh, research suggests negative is much more important than the positive yep. so when the negative outcome is is something that could potentially destroy you so I would say the most important kinds of decisions we make, and it's what I tend to focus on is, is health and wealth. And so health being a big one is when we know someone could be dying, they've got cancer diagnosis. Those are the kinds of decisions where you really need to, to, to drill into the data and say, where should I be going? Who is the best treatment outcomes? You know, who are the best providers for this area? And then also, which could negatively destroy wealth? and um, major bankruptcies, major life events. And, you know, we have a theory in decision-making called critical time intervention. And it's basically that critical point in someone, that critical time in someone's life where they're most prone to kind of being vulnerable enough to make a major change. That critical time, it could be a birthday, you could turn 50, you could turn 21. Uh, it could be a life event, my mom died, my dad died, it, you know, whatever that is. I think that's when we're most most open to change, and that would be when we're really able to. We should be most open to be able to make that really really important decision. But I mean, I'll be honest. I love numbers. I love wealth and money. But the most important decision we probably make is around our health and what we choose to do, what we choose to put into our body, how we choose to work out, mm -hmm. and where we choose to get treatment. And I'm very passionate about getting people into providers and hospitals where they're the best and not where they're the closest. And so those are probably my answer. I think we need that from a, from a psychological perspective. We need to be refreshed and living completely on routine pretty much is what we do six out of seven days a week or, you know, 90% of the time. And I think just allowing a little bit of creativity in helps decision-making. And that's really why we build diversity into teams is because we're not all the same. We're not all doing the same thing. And, and that opens up teams to, to help possibly make some better choices than maybe I would have made on my own. Cause you're right. I read people, you know, like Atomic Habits and Brendan Bouchard and other folks who write about, their morning routines and they get up at five and they always do breathing for 10 minutes and do yoga and you know, drink coffee only, you know, only green tea or whatever. There are some good things and, you know, exercise every day. There's things we need to have habitually in our life and habits can be really good, but we could do them at a different time of a day. We could shake it up a bit. And every time we shake something up, we cause our brain to rewire in possibly a better way than we had wired it in the past. And we really don't know. It's the same thing with decision outcomes. We really don't know the best way to do something. If there was, we would all follow that same daily pattern that, that somebody used. You know, we'd all want to do what Jeff Bezos did. Would Until, we though? Yeah. <laughs> would we? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that wouldn't. I feel like there's a lot of people that if you, if you got the top 1% of successful people in the world to all say, oh, yeah, I do that exact same thing. Right. You're going to have a good chunk of people that just don't do it no matter what and don't even try. Oh, I know. Yeah, I think <laughs> Well, that, right. that information's out there, right? I mean, it, you know, we, we know that uh, being mindful 
doing a morning routine, uh, doing some meditation helps clear the, the clutter in your mind, which right. can help you make better decisions if you have that uh, that clarity of thought. And you know, right. as long as you're reflecting on your values, you know where you're wanting to go. Um, so we know that, right? And, and it's uh, it's amazing the amount of people who don't who are not self aware enough to recognize that their their mind is cluttered. You know that their right. mind is just wired wrong. And that gets into that gets into the kind of the negative side of habits is we know that there are things there are positive practices that we should incorporate, and yet because we live a habitual life, we don't incorporate those. Thanks for making the great decision to listen into this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers who are not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their own opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast was produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.